Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. Go. Ready. For the best podcast you could probably be listening to this time. We need to keep it down, though. Keep it quiet a little bit. Well, my so, wife's in the other room. I don't want to disturb her. Your kids are asleep. But, uh, no, no, my kids aren't asleep. This is this is Sunday afternoon. Where are They're your outside. kids? They're outside. I made them go outside. outside. You made them go outside. Yes, yeah, so they could get sun and vitamin D, which is essential to their growth and health. Oh, I disagree. Mm-hmm. It is. I haven't been outside in a month. I know, but you rely mainly on carbs for your growth. <laughs> Oh, let's does, get the does the screen off my uh, TV. Provide any vitamin D and or laptop. Oh, that would be a good idea. Like if we had electronics, like screens and televisions that did that, that provided you know enough light. What, could, you could, how does the sun provide vitamin D? What is it? A particular ray, a UV or gamma? It's a ray band. It's like a um, Tom Cruise like glasses, fo- like photosynthesis. So it's like because you're basically a vegetable. Yes. So it shines on you, and you as a potato produce the vitamin D that is required for your bones <laughs> to do osteogenesis, which is how you make bones. I like that band. Mm, they're great. Uh, I can't walk. I can't talk. Remember Genesis. Did that have uh, Phil Collins? That with, oh, Phil yes. Collins, that's right. It but, was. But then he realized he's the talented member and left. He did the uh, Justin Timberlake thing. After a while, you realize I'm the star of the show. <laughs> why am and I? And he leaves. Why am I very, sharing all this money when it could all be mine? Very prophetic. I should take a cue from Mr. Collins and Mr. Timberland oh, yeah? and strike out on my own. If only yeah. I had an editor. We've listened to those mini solo pod solos. Mm. Hey, that was just hey. <laughs> I will not be judged by my by my own solo endeavors, uh-huh. okay? You get on and say, I'm all alone. Let me talk into this microphone as if it's a friend. <laughs> I'm gonna start that's what I need. I need a Wilson. I need something I can talk to. As in, the, as in the volleyball or the guy looking over the fence? Either one. Somebody to provide me with hot, hot armadillo facts. Mm. Ooh, speaking of which, did you know the nine-banded armadillo? Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's see. There's the giant armadillo. There's a three-banded armadillo. We've, we've went through those. But the nine-banded armadillo... Did you know it is capable of floating across rivers by inflating its intestines? Something similar you can do, I believe, right? I have inflated my intestines so that I can float across rivers. With with climate change, I assume there's going to be many rivers in the future. Bodies of water, which will need to be crossed. I will be the life raft, which my wife and Charday will hold on to. As we make our way to the small spot of land, it's going to become Waterworld eventually. Everyone Could should have li- everyone should have inflated their intestines. I've been preparing. What have you been doing? Could you lash a bunch of armadillos together 
that were, say, inflated and be able to use them as a RAF? I think so. Why wouldn't you? I, you know. have to go armadillo uh, uh, hustling, no ranching. I'm gonna car. I'm gonna create an armadillo ranch, much like the bunny ranch, except we will have armadillos instead of bunnies. I assume the bunny ranch is just a ranch full of bunnies, right? Speaking of that, it makes me think of Giuseppe. He should be in the hospital now. Have you heard from him? Uh, he's been posting, and he's got all his stuff together. And yeah, I think uh, day one of his chemo has come and gone, and. He's doing the whole 28 days, 24 hours a day thing. Editor-in-chief here, Gavi. Hello, everybody. Um, uh, From the future, future Gavi. Yeah, that's right. I'm stealing that. Future Gavi. Giuseppe had texted me with a more recent update than when we recorded this a few weeks ago. He said he got some good news. Instead of spending a whole month in the hospital, he gets to go home on Monday. Now, that Monday would have been this Monday, which was, uh, let's see, this Monday will be, what will this Monday be? The 15th, March the 15th. So Giuseppe will hopefully get to go home on Monday the 15th. He said they're going to continue treatment uh, at home as home health care. So that's good news for Giuseppe. Now on to the uh, show. Oh. Yeah, somebody posted somebody posted on the Facebook group that Giuseppe's laughs is similar to a Bond villain. And when I when I listened to that podcast, I couldn't help but realize that Giuseppe does have a very disturbing, <laughs> a very disturbing. I I have your loved one. You must, you know, I laugh. have your loved one. <laughs> no, Mister Bond, I wish I want you to die. Type laugh, you know that that. Uh, anyways, cracks me up. It also cracks me up that I just now realized that we we are poking fun at a cancer patient. Oh. So perhaps we should just edit this all out because that knows. might not be great. He knows. Hey, he knows. He knows. He knows what podcast he came on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. Uh, I hope Giuseppe's doing better. Well, we need to, to mess but him. to get back to armadillo face, because that's what we are now. Mm. The uh, the second way. What what do you think the second way is? Okay, so one intestinal inflation. Mm-hmm. Two, how else would you cross a riverbed? Intestinal inflation is what our economy is about to be doing. Um, how else would you cross a river? Uh, if you can't go on top, go across the bottom. You mean they can walk on the bottom? They can hold their breath for six minutes and walk across the bottom. Really? Yes. I didn't know that they were just this versatile. They are fascinating animals, and I think they've been severely... Overlooked, underestimated. We are now the board game armadillos. Don't underestimate us. I just, I find but it. But we're too banded. Sometimes we banded. I don't know what the advantages of the bands are. It's just, I think it has to do with the size of the armadillo generally. Cause like the giant mm-hmm. armadillo has like, I don't know, 10 to 13 bands and there's a nine band. And then there's like the little pink one. There's a little pink armadillo. I'll give some facts on it later, but it's got, I think just a few bands. I don't know. Yeah, we, we don't want to waste all of our hot armadillo. No, I got, I got, I got to give it all out in small doses. Cause then, oh. then how else can I keep this armadillo thing going? Especially if ah. it becomes our mascot. Is it going to be our mascot? Oh, oh God, I hope not. I, I have I have recently you've seen the pictures I posted on the Facebook group, no yeah. doubt. Uh so I have you know, I've I've started getting into clay sculpting, the modeling, and I for some reason just clay a few Aiken? nights ago. 
Have you, yeah, are, you Clay. The one, are you the one making him more muscular these days? <laughs> oh, Clay Aikens. He needs a little better jawline. Let me help him out there. <laughs> I'm sculpting Clay. Uh, that's there's there's a skit there. I'm thinking about it. There's a good skit coming out of that. Um, but yeah, so I made an armadillo out of clay, and now I'm like obsessed with making clay armadillos for some reason. And it's 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 I've gone. Have down you a made what? Which armadillo have you made? Have you made the? Uh... I have finished a three banded armadillo oh, with so a top you just hat. Roll it up into a ball, of course. It's a snob. I I have just now uh, cooked. A six-banded armadillo. He is a little more prestigious. He has a bow tie and a monocle, and so I haven't painted him. I've just got him baked. You so? Well, I don't understand baked. Why are you are you eating armadillos? What are you doing? Yeah, you have to heat it. Yeah, the clay doesn't harden by itself. You have to mold the clay into whatever you want and stick it in the oven at two seventy-five for fifteen twenty minutes. You're cooking armadillos. Yeah, I'm cooking armadillos. And then afterwards, you take them out, you paint them, you seal them, that type of thing. I didn't know there was so much into I didn't know clay sculpting was a thing, really. Oh, clay sculpting is amazing. If you if you just want to sit back. All right. If you're like into like. Not, we're not whole, talking like ghosts, you know, uh, you know, you're rubbing your hands up and down this thing as I'm behind you. Also rubbing my hands up and down the whole clay thing. The table spinning. Not the, that's pottery, but that's clay, right? Yeah, it's different. It's pottery. That's oh, not. That's okay. not the type of. That's not the type of thing. So, if you want to get on YouTube, watch Ace of Clay. Ace of Clay is amazing. It's this guy who just does just simple. I say simple models. He makes it look so easy, but he just picks an object and a character, and right before your eyes, he takes a hunk of clay and just shows you how to make things. And it's amazing. It's on the lines of. Uh, of the painter of Bob Ross, it's super calming. Huh. But anyways, I, his channel has become like my new obsession. That and watching the rabbits fight. Do you still listen to Righteous Brothers as you sculpt your clay? A little bit, Unchained Melody. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I need to move on because this is getting super boring. I'm not. I'm just not. I, I no. Nobody wants to hear about your armadillo facts. Nobody wants to hear about me sculpting armadillos. Um, we're just, we need to move on and talk about the hot topic. You always want to move on. I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. I saw a fellow today, and this has bothered me for quite some time. He was counting off things numerically, as one does, and he was doing them with his, you know, when you count with your hands, one, two, three. He was gesturing. Mm -hmm. When I gesture one to three, I start off with my pointer finger, Mm -hmm. one, then my middle finger. And then the ring finger. I mean, that's the way mm-hmm. it should be done. It irritates me. It makes me angry when someone starts off with their thumb first as one, then two. Why not? It, it's wrong. That's wrong. Sh- he was doing one, two, three. It's supposed to be one, two, three. I've even seen people say like three, and they'll hold up their pinky their ring finger and then their middle finger, like three. That's no. a that's a European that's a European thing. <laughs> no. No. Well, I'm American. It's one, two, three. Pointer finger first, then middle, then ring. One to three. If What's you do fine. It any Wait, other your way, thumb is the fifth one? Your thumb's the fifth one. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Thumb is thumb is five. But you don't it, think it's better to go in order? 
Like one with a thumb, two, three, four, five. No. How Why do you not? do it? How do you do it? When you said that, I, I, I realized that I have, I do it both ways. It seems like sometimes when I'm, when I'm talking to you, if I'm gesturing to, to some people, I do, I do like with the thumb. I do the thumb, the one, two, three, four, five. I start right. off with the thumb. If I'm just making one point, if I just want to end. Well, no, here's the thing. One. If I know I have. If you notice in the, uh, when you're rooting for your team, we're number one. There, nobody's holding their thumb up. We're number one. No, you're hitchhiking with a thumb. Number no. one is the finger. But no, the no. Pointer. Thumbs up, though, indicates goodness, greatness, and acceptance. I mean, that's universal. Uh, that's like almost okay, but we're not counting. We're not counting with the thumb up. I'm talking about counting. The number one. We have it on foam, giant foam fingers here in the States. When you're cheering for your team, number one, the finger is up. You don't say number one. Hitchhiker, good to go. Good job, buddy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying number one. I feel strongly about this, and it bothers me. It bothers me when someone counts weirdly with their hand. It distracts me. I'm like, he's counting wrong. Why is he doing his hand like that? It's one. It's not one. They'll, they'll even go like, oh, I got two points for you. And they'll hold up these two random fingers. It's like, why not just do the devil sign? Oh, I got two points for you here. One and two. Or just the bird. Flip me the bird. You might as well if you're not starting off with the pointer finger. <laughs> you're number one. <laughs> All right. Well, so so since we're dealing with social... uh norms and wording and meaning i'd like to that that will branch into what i want to grab about now this may seem like i'm hostile towards you but i am in a way towards me yes towards you so i'd like to start this off by uh number one we have we thank all of our listeners for your emails we are going to be answering them all of them probably uh next episode because we got some great emails some from uh mr jason osterbide osterbind and uh, I thought Luke you were Holson's, fixing to say Derulo, and I was going to be real happy. Brendan Haynes, he sent us an email. We got several. Jesse Welts just emailed us. Said my first concert as a teenager was Bachman Turner Overdrive in Eugene, Oregon. Bachman Turner Overdrive. That's the uh, that's the taking care of business. Every is that taking care of business? Taking care of business. I, I, I'm unfamiliar with BTO. I'm pretty sure that's like the only thing they did. Like you're taking care, taking care of it. Yeah, if they did, I don't. They took care of business. They made their hit. They took their money and left. Yeah, I don't remember anything else about them. I'm sure they've had other hits. I just can't remember about taking care of business. Anyway, so we'll, we'll get to those next episodes because I want to grab it, Gobby. So the other day, we have been playing a lot of BGA games. And one of the games that we had, you know, we, we were wanting to try out was a game called Abyss. Now, Abyss is designed by the famed designer Bruno Cathala. Now, Abyss is the card drafting game that doesn't even have the name on the box. It has that infamous looking face on it. It's like an underwater, really, With really. no nose. Looks like Voldemort underseas. Yeah, yeah. Under so it's like. Under sea, Voldemort. Right. So there's there's this. Really intense uh, artwork in the game. And so it was one that I have always wanted to play. I was glad to see it on BGA. Well, Gobby texts me and says, oh, I've learned it. I know how to play it. Let's play it. I was real excited. I learned a new game. He had learned a new game, which is it's hard for him at times. (laughs) 
to strike out and learn a game on his own. But he then texts me something. And this is this is the problem. It came in a written form. He texts me that this game was, and I quote, pretty good. So oh, okay. I see where you're going. So yeah, yeah. So when I think of something pretty good, I go, oh, pretty good. That's like and I, I, I have certain games in, in categories, like games that are pretty good. So I was feeling like, oh, this is going to be a great game. And so we proceed to start playing the game. Gobby quickly teaches it. And just to give you a rundown of the of the just the complex mechanisms in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you so go. You, yes, yes. You have a deck of cards, you see, if you can imagine that. And then on your turn, you will flip the top card over face up and do nothing with it. The person next to you can choose whether they're going to take that card, pay for it, or not. And if they don't take it, then you can take it. But if you don't want to take it, then you flip over another card. And round and round you go. The idea is basically you are collecting these certain... Yes, you're taking these certain color cards... And then you're using those certain color cards to buy certain advisors, these underwater influencers, uh, these various species of underwater humanoid. Kim Carbassian. Uh, <laughs> that was good. I was digging for a, I was digging for one. I just couldn't come up with it. They're like they they're like they look like they're fish fishes with faces. They're they're they're. Uh, just crustaceans, you know, crustaceans and things of that nature. It's it's really beautiful artwork. But you're basically buying these cards and buying other locations. There's a little more to the mechanics in this. But as we're playing this game, as Gobby's teaching it. Paris, Paris Ilton. You've got me, Gobby. You've got me, you've got me brainstorming for underwater influencers. <laughs> <laughs> you you keep you you just stay at it, okay? Uh, you just stay at it. Uh, Elon Musk isn't a Musk a thing? Uh, the uh, I don't know. <laughs> Barnacle Cumberpatch. There is a um, so the mechanism in the game is very simple. And as we're playing it, as we start the game off, Gobby says, "This is basically Splendor," and my heart sinks. And I'm like, "It it kind of oh. is because you're just you're taking like a ship into the ocean. Your heart. Yeah, you're sank. taking." You're taking cards, much like you're taking poker chips and Splendor, to buy other th- cards that give you victory points. Except in Abyss, it's slightly more complicated than that because there is some comboing of, of these cards. And so I'm not saying it's as simple as Splendor. It's a step up. But then as, as I am dulled to sleep playing this game, like I completely check out. I'm more interested in looking at the cards and the artwork then I am playing this, this, and this is just the base game now. So I, I can't speak to the expansions. As we're getting done, I am griping about this game going, this is just not very engaging. The theme, and, and Gabby says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just pretty good. And I go, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. You, you, you said it was pretty good. And he's like, well, yeah, but you know, it's just not great. I'm like, no, 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 no. You said it was pretty good. Pretty good is pretty good. It's like something that I I want to play. But Gobby's definition of pretty good is it's splendor. And so we get into this long splendor, but better. I do like it better than splendor. I somewhat enjoy Abyss for a 
mind-numbing, just do this, do that. I mean, it's it's kind of a relaxing, easy game for me to play. It's mind-numbing. You said it right there. That is not pretty good. No. It is well, not see, this is pr- where we're different. I mean, are you going to be done and let me speak? You've been talking for a while now. I, well, I since I got to get up to get me some more tea, you can go ahead and speak while I pour myself some more tea. Go ahead. Keep well, speaking. I think this is, a, well, first of all, this is why uh, texting people your thoughts and feelings it doesn't really work because there's no uh, connotation. There's no tone of voice. When I said, yeah, it's it's pretty good. That's not, yeah, that's pretty good. And that's a whole different ball game. And also, if something is good, it's good. Pretty good, in my mind, is not as good as good. It's pretty good. Just like if someone said, how do you like that lasagna? Yeah, it's pretty good. Doesn't mean it's great. Doesn't mean it's real good. Doesn't even mean it's good. It's just right there up to next to good. It, to me, Jerry, then he goes online, looks up the definition of pretty good, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, definitions, they have various meanings. I have a cousin. No, they don't. I, I, no, they shut, don't. <laughs> shut they up. not subjective. This is my turn now. I have a cousin-in-law. Anytime oh, we're eating, shut up. Anytime, <laughs> my brother, my cousin John, anytime we ask him, he's always eating something. He, he, he's always just eating it. Anytime he eats something, I ask him, how's it, how's it taste? Oh, it's pretty good. He never says it's good. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing job. We're like, John never thinks anything he eats is good. It's always just pretty good. It like takes a lot to blow him away. That's the way Abyss was with me. It was pretty good. It did not blow me away. It was not great. I don't know if it's even good. It's pretty good. It's not good. That's okay. my definition of it. No, well, pretty good is pretty good modifies good, making good better. It does not mean that it's less than good. It means it's more than good. Well, is there a modifier of good that makes good less good? Very no, there's very good. There's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. There, so yeah, you're so, saying so, for you, pretty good is better than good. Yes, to not just me, to literally everybody. Oh my God, no, I disagree. And please, please, I know I'm not the only one. If you say something, that's ah, pretty good. Yeah, so you're telling me you never had anybody say, yeah, it's pretty good. No, no. Yes, I'm talking I, I, real yes, life yes, I've scenario. Heard it. I've heard it. Real but life I'm telling scenario. You, by the definition. By the definition. Pretty good. By the definition. I don't care about definitions. You know, definitions, you can go to the books. I'm talking about the streets. When you're on the streets and somebody says, how's it going? Ah, pretty good. Does that mean real good? No, it means slightly. It's not good. It's pretty good. It's okay. It's like, okay. It's fine. It's basically fine. I, I'm telling you. No, no. Fine is fine. Pretty good does not mean fine. Pretty good, by definition, means that it is better than good. It modifies the term good. Now, just to, just to back that up. just You know how many further. definitions of words are defunct and out of play these days? They no longer apply in the 21st century. Definitions I'm looking at the come definition right now. You can just admit that you're wrong. Is there, a I, you know, the true definition needs to come off of Urban Dictionary. Let me go to Urban it, Dictionary. 
And you will get that de- that definition of pretty good off Urban Dictionary because I just added it. And if you'd like for me to read it, I can read it to you right now. Pretty good. The- Not so good. Around 80% complete of a good thing or person. Booyah. Booyah. Or as we say, bear. No. I pretty just good. looked it up in Urban Dictionary. I'm looking pretty at it. Good. Look no, at the one I'm right next at to it. it. I'm looking at I'm it. I'm looking no, at the no, you're looking at the secondary definition. No, you're looking <laughs> You can't up I'm looking Webster's at urbandictionary.com. I typed in pretty good. It says not so good, around 80% of a good thing, which is I'd say pretty accurate. No. I'm not going off of it. I'm going off the definition. Uh, you can get on core. Pretty good means it's good. It has nuances depending on the context or tone. It's good. I'm sorry I'm hip with the kids on the streets and you're going by Webster's, whatever. I'm saying that your your definition of pretty good. Now, anyways, I'm just going to. So take about 20 percent off over there. By good, it is to be something that is desired or approved of or approved of. It's something that has qualities required for a particular role. So abyss is is an abysmal game. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, I, I absolutely, I, it is a game for which the artwork was amazing. And I can't speak to maybe the expansions and the add-ons changed the game. But this was a game that as we were playing it, I even went back and played it again by myself, just trying to see if there was a, something I had missed. It is one of the most boring, dra- I guess it's a, you call it a drafting Abyss game. or Splendor? Abyss. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's better than Splendor. Yes, it's better than Splendor. But a, a poke in the eye with a sharp stick is better than Splendor. Uh, yeah, it's not. So it is not now pretty you're being good. Facetious. It's not good. It's not. Fa- I, I would say the art is amazing. I've played actual- bad games. It's not a. I've played games where I say, you know what, this is so terrible. I'm quitting. Abyss is not that for me. It may be for you, but it's not that for me. I didn't say that. It's mediocre. Uh, pretty good. No. That does not mean media. That does not mean that. No, nope, nobody, nobody. I will say. Thinks. I will say. Okay. I, I'm just. I'm just messing around. Mediocre is less than pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I will play this if someone wants to play it. That's what pretty good means to me. If someone wants to play it, I will play it. I will not buy it. I will not go out of my way to play it. But if someone says, "Hey, you want to play a game?" I'm like, "Sure, Abyss." Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll play it. And it, as you as you adequately pointed out, it's mindless. I didn't say it was hard. Yeah, I, right. it's an I'm enjoy. There's it, lots it, of games it, it, I enjoy playing. It's just I enjoy playing it just to go through the motions of playing a game. It's relaxing. It's easy. Okay, I, and I'm uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I, I I, we are, we are going to need emails for your definition of pretty good. Yes, and other types of expressions that you hear people say because what bothered me about this is that when i hear pretty good i think this game is going to be of certain quality and i don't say pretty good unless i truly mean that this is an above average game and it just shocked me that my counterpart is using the same term which i am saying this is pretty good this is a game that i'd rate a six or a seven and he is using that terminology to write a game that's probably a three or a four. So that's just that was just an interesting little uh, a little nuance in terms of our our the language that we use to describe games. And so discussing the artwork, 
which is something that I think Abyss has in spades, brings me to another game for which we played, for which I think the artwork causes some issues with, and that is The Magnificent. Uh, ma- matter of fact, Gobby felt very strongly about the artwork in this game, and I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, if you want me to say I despise, looking at the artwork of this game it made me visibly, I was visibly angry to Jerry. He came over, we played it. I, the the lines upon lines upon borders upon borders. Hey, let's let's border this card with some lines, not just one line, two lines, and between those two lines, let's put some dashes at the corner, and then an arc around that line and the dash and the corner and the border and the border and the extra border. It made me angry. All the freaking lines on this game. There are there's art on the box. It's like you know a wannabe Cirque du Soleil kind of thing. And they had some good pictures of like, I don't know, it was like a tiger or something. I'm like, now that is like abyss-like in this portrait there of whatever that animal is, some of the characters, but the game board itself, talk about abysmal. This game board is absolutely irritating. It made me angry trying to figure out what's going on. If they had just done a simple board, do like a Stone Age type board, but with a a carnival or fair, that would have been great. Sure, cliche. I get these people were trying to, I don't even know who did it, but they were trying to do something different and it definitely stands out, but in a very bad way. I might say a negative because it looks like a photo negative. That's what this game board looks like. I'm like, why does everything look like this? Why is everything black? And all I see is these gold lines everywhere. Just borders upon borders. It made me angry. Enjoyed the game. The mechanics are fine. They're great. I would say they're great. Pretty good. But I just, uh, no, the, literally playing this game made me angry with the art. The art made me angry. I, I can't even talk about it. I'm getting angry right now just talking about it. My blood, my blood pressure is going up, Jerry. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. So The Magnificent is from the same Norwegian designers that did a very popular game back in the day. Uh, I believe it was Santa Maria. Uh, Santa Maria. And the guy who did the art looks like to be an artist who has done some artwork for the Unlock series. So this game came out in 2019. I first saw it at BGG convention. Several people that we know were playing it. I took one look at the board and went, this is awful. Like, I don't want to play this game. Like, I don't, I don't, I have no clue what's going on. I don't even want to look at it. I will say that after you set it up, learn it, and kind of get used to, to the way that it presents itself, it's it's fascinating. I'm not 100% against the art. I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to go for that very dark background, kind of like in uh, Brass, uh, Birmingham, or Lancashire, that kind of a presentation. Uh, the theme of the game is that you're running a circus, and there are various performance performers, and, and they all the colors are like these neon light-looking uh, colors that are all just kind of very psychedelic and everything just kind of seems just a little bit off, so to speak. So so the it's interesting to look at, but it really does in a small way detract from the game. I, I did not like the busyness of the board or the player boards and everything. Now, with this complaints aside, 
and I and I will continue to move off the art and go on into the actual mechanism of a game. This is a dice placement game, and I hate dice placement games. No, you don't. This is a this is a dice drafting game as well. Like you're drafting the dice, which I hate drafting. <laughs> uh, you're there that, are you're that guy. You you just like to you hate on everything. But like it all, really. In actuality, you like dice drafting. You like deck building. You love it all. I don't. I don't. Um, the There's three Rondales. That's my cousin. Uh, the theme of the game is barely there. It just... The, the, it, it, it almost attracts from what you're doing. This is very... just. And the theme barely comes through because of the freaking board. If they had made a board where say, hey, you're entering this circus. All right. Now, which tent are you going to go into? They're going to put on a show. Oh, you could use that show. Take this. Do this. I think the board detracts from the theme instead of adding to it. Right. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's got some weird, it's got a very weird presentation. I, I will give it this compliment. The player boards, once you get used to it and you realize what's all going on, the player boards, and I, I think what they would call like in terms of like computer games or, or, or computer applications, like the user interface, I don't know what you refer to that in terms of board games, but what you need to know is on your player board, it's all symbols. Once you know the game, it does make sense. And to describe what you're doing in this game, there are some very interesting mechanisms in it. Uh, for instance, when you draft the dice, the color of the dice matters, and the pips on the dice is the strength of whatever action you're going to do. And there's just three actions, and the same three actions are are pretty simple. It's you're going to either a build, which is this kind of sub game, this tetramino polyomino type thing, where you're taking these various colorful tints and making these shapes on your player board, and these shapes are used to you need these shapes to have these performances. Certain shapes for certain performers. And then the other one is just travel, which is just move this little wagon around these rondelles and get gems. These gems, I guess, represent the, I don't know, the drugs that the performer needs to put on his show. I don't know. They're just they're the resources that are used to make the show happen. And these gems are also used to power up the dice to make them worth more. And the other thing is just the other actions just put on a show, which is just these neat little posters that have your performers on them, which really those posters have the best art to me. Uh, and it's not because they have an armadillo as one of the, uh, act, uh, one of the um, performers, but you use that poster and put on a show and you get points and money for it and so forth. And there's a lot of neat little mechanics in the game, such as you have these four cards that as you're drafting the dice, you're putting the dice on one of these four cards and you get a bonus. It's like your your master cards is what they call them. Well, at the end of the round, you, you get a new one and you have to decide which one you're going to keep. Well, the top half is the, is the bonuses that you receive. The bottom half are scoring. And you have to pick which card am I going to score now. Like, it may score however many uh, shows you've put on or however many circus tents you've had built. And that's neat because you kind of have this trade-off of which card I'm going to score. The game itself is nothing but a mishmash of a bunch of mechanics. From the dice placement to the dice drafting to the polyomino stuff to the resource management to the, the rondelles, everything about it. It's just a bunch of... Uh, mechanisms just all thrown in and shaken about with this very thin theme put on it. And 
even though I didn't like the look of this game, the reason I got it was because we had a, uh, a listener of the show kept talking about it, saying how great it was. And I thought, you know what? I'll give it a shot. It has a solo. Well, the solo's not that great. It's simple. It emulates the, the base game. But unfortunately, even the base game is very multiplayer solo. You're just doing your own thing. You're not really affecting each other. I mean, besides the normal, oh, you took the dice I was going to use, but even that. Despite the horrible art in some areas, despite the presentation, despite it having a bunch of mechanics that I generally don't enjoy, this game is not pretty good. I would say it is good, though. I think it works. Good? So average. I, I know. Good is above average. Slightly above? So out well, of 10, if you were to rank it one out of 10, what would you give it? It's a five and a half. Five, five and a half. <laughs> so just barely above average. Yeah. Yeah. It's five and a half, six, somewhere around there. And okay. I will bring out another issue that really gets me. And I'm glad you brought this up. And so this is, this has to do with the rankings of games. So a few months back, I had a, a Kickstarter uh, sent to me. And. This, I played it. It was fine. Oh, fine. That's a four and a half to a five and a half. Well, if you go on to BGA, or I'm sorry, BGG, and you do their their 10 star rating. Uh-huh. Yeah, a five star is, and I quote, mediocre, take it or leave it. Okay. Meaning the game, when you say mediocre, it means it's not quite it's it's not quite there. It's not good. A six star is okay. We'll play if in the mood. So as you as you as you're going up in these ranks, like a seven is actually good. A so a six and a half would be pretty good. Uh, an eight is very good. <laughs> a nine is excellent. A ten is outstanding. And so I gave the designer some feedback on it, but the, I quickly. Uh, rated the game on BGA, and I believe I rated it a 6 or a 5. I cannot recall. And he messaged me saying, so you didn't like the game? I was like, no. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Pretty good. It was okay. It's Yeah, it's I, a 6. I agree 100% with this whole thing. I, it, we had this discussion, me and DJ and Charday on Discrible Nerd, because I ranked a game, I ranked a movie 5 out of 10. I said, yeah, it's not. It's it's average. And Jay's like average. He's like, no, that's not average. Five is bad. I said, no, five is literally average. It's the exact halfway point between one and ten. It, yeah, I don't get it. It's like, it, uh, yeah, I agree. What the, the problem is is that this generation, these millennials, have been raised on the A plus. Everything's an A. Everybody gets an A. Everything's a 9 or a 10. If it's not a 9 or a 10, it's not any good. And that's what really irritates me is that people do look at these ratings and think, if the game's not a 9 or a 10, well, then you must not like it. There are several games that are a 5. If you look through my collection, which I'm looking at my rating system right now, my profile on BGG, and I really like it because what few games that I have rated, it shows. So far, currently, and I don't do this often, I have rated 361 games on BGG. You know what my average rating is? 
Oh, five? Five. Five. <laughs> five. Because that would be the I have average. rated, <laughs> yeah, I've rated 35% of all the games, 128 of them, a five. My next highest rating is a six. Makes sense. Almost the, uh, the other 30%. So 65% of the games that I rate are either a six or a five. Do you know how many tens I have on this? Uh, very few. Very few. Two. Two. I have two tens. Two well. games I have rated a ten. I've rated... Only four games a nine. Are you going to tell rated... us what your tens are? Uh, no. Why? We're do a top ten. Because we're going to do a top ten one of these days. Okay, so it's brass and something else. Uh, this is my thing. And I, 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 Tom kind of goes into this on the Dice Tower top ten. Who? Exactly. And so when they go into that, he's I, I forget if he says his top five or his top ten, which, I mean, when you rank 500 games – are tens and that makes sense to me it's like if this is in my top three to five games yeah out of all the games i've played i think they're tens uh i don't i don't i don't go on bgg hardly ever uh we have a guild on there that is probably defunct i don't i don't i literally never go on bgg but yeah, I I mean, there's very few games that I would give a 10 that are outstanding. They're perfect in regards to me. It, well, even not like Viticulture. Okay, that's been my number one for a long time. So it would be natural for me. That would be a 10. But I realize it's got these visitor cards that people have trouble with. It can be s- severely swingy and, you know, not um, what, uh, whatever the term is. Uh, but I like Viticulture a lot. I've been playing Yokohama a ton. I've been playing City of Big Shoulders a ton. Those games, we'll do our rankings later, they may or may not be very close to 10s. But average is 5. If I rank a game a 5, it doesn't mean I hate it. It means it's fine. I'm a, yeah. I'm with... We've disagreed on this podcast. On this point with you, I do not disagree. I have... Uh, I have... I've just noticed that my rankings here of the games that I've ranked either a one, two, or three, I've got like ten games, and I need we need to do a podcast on that of the ten games that I think are abysmal. Because apparently, as I'm looking through this list, uh, yeah, I think you'll know what my number one is. Splendor. But, uh, okay, go ahead. But the but the the other ones I find that reminds me of these horrible games for which I've played, and then like ah, uh, this is this is truly how I feel about them. And I would like to think. Almost every game we have kept that we have bought and purchased and is sitting here on our shelves and our Calyx are above a five. Just about. Uh, there are only a few games. I think they're either above a five or a six. Uh, and I have I have rated a game a seven or even an eight and have traded it away because I've grown either it, something else has replaced it or I've just, you know, I, I recognize it as a good, I recognize it as a great game. But I personally have fallen out of love with it. Like I don't, I don't want to play it anymore. I, I think that's the thing that people don't get is that you can look at a game and appreciate it and go, "This is a good game." Like this is this is a great game, probably. But for me, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be something that I will just continually enjoy. But that might go thing, into I, something of our. I, I don't know what you had in mind for the next discussion, but. A discussion I want to have on this podcast is I've been playing Fields of Arl solo. Mm. I, I love this game. I really do. I love the theme. I love the little animals. The production is great. You got lots of choices. It's a Uwe Rosenberg or Uwe, depending on how you would pronounce it. But 
I feel like this is a game once it reaches, once you've played it so many times and maybe you have reached that 110 score, there's not a whole lot of variability to it. So once I figure it out, I figure it out. I don't really want to want to keep on playing it. So I will trade it away. I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm assuming I will someday. What? Fields of Arl? Yeah. Well, you can't trade it away. It's mine. Uh, but no, the, it's not. The, um, huh? No, it's not. Yeah, it is mine. You bought this game. Yeah. You got the receipt? Yes, I do. I <laughs> okay. <it. laughs> okay, I well. Keep my, I keep good my thing cool I didn't stuff. trade it away then. <laughs> I know. You do that all the time. You're like, oh, You're like, no, you don't. This is mine. I, oh, oh, this is mine. I will need like, to no. see that receipt because I thought this was my game. No, if it's a good game, then I probably it's what you, it. Uh, what it's ever. Crap. How it's dare crap. you? I can't help it that you store half your crap over here. I'm like, uh, Gina's like, why do we have somebody going? Like, Jerry stores all his crap over here. When you say crap, I want you to look around and realize that all the good games over there all are All right. Mine. Well, that's going to do it for this show. Are mine. And they're Whatever. better than pretty good. Whatever. They're great. I'm Gabby. So you want to talk more about Abyss and all the this crustaceans? This is Jerry. The Croatian. The Croatian. How dare you talk the, about the, the Croatians? Crustaceans. The people that you've got. Your great game. Your pretty good game. Abyss. Is is Kelly Clarkson an influencer underseas? Kelly Sharkson. I just think that was no. yes, she is an underwater influencer. <laughs> and now she's a daytime television person. Let's end this show. Save some of this fiery banter for the next episode. I'm Gobby. I meant to say crustaceans. <laughs> so we're gonna edit that out. Cause I, 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 what, what that was. I'll let you Croatia. end this episode since I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Okay, yeah. Croatia is a place. I know that Croatians are a people. All that 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 you could see. Uh huh. Okay. They are not under the sea. They are actually <laughs> east of of Italy, if I'm not mistaken, is where Croatia, the Republic of Croatia, is at. All righty then. That's Jerry with all those crustacean facts. And Cro and Croatian facts. <laughs> are, are, are we I, done? Are you ending? I, we need to I, end I this. I need geography more than I do biology. It's not my fault. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy.